welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by my friends at Four Sigmatic, my longtime source for superfood mushroom-infused beverages like tea, coffee, and elixirs. I've also really been enjoying their new plant-based protein powder, which is infused with seven functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and no harmful fillers. It's really easy to add to smoothies or to drink on its own in water. I've even made whipped cappuccino smoothies using their vanilla protein powder and a packet of their lion's mane coffee. It was delicious and a perfect breakfast. So many protein powders taste chalky or have that weird artificial sweetener taste, and theirs is made with no gums or fillers or artificial sweeteners, just natural vanilla, and it's delicious. They also now have a peanut butter flavor, if you are a peanut butter fan like I am. If you are new to functional mushrooms, I also highly recommend checking out their reishi packets at night for better sleep. Check out those and all Four Sigmatic products by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama and using the code wellnessmama, all lowercase, all one word, to save 10%. Again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama to save 10%. And this episode is sponsored by Juve Light Therapy Red Lights. I have one of these in my bedroom and I make it a regular part of my routine for several reasons. Emerging research shows that light dramatically impacts our bodies and red light serves some especially important purposes in various ways. You've likely heard me talk about mitigating blue light exposure, especially from artificial sources, and especially at times that it would not occur naturally outside, like in the evening or at night, because typically we're only encountering that type of blue light outside midday and from overhead. There's even research showing that the angle of lights like blue lights are very important. But red light is the other part of this important equation. Because light signals a hormone cascade in our body that affects sleep, stress, and more, we can use these types of light to our advantage. Red light in certain wavelengths signals the body to rest and to turn on its natural healing processes, making it beneficial for sleep, for skin health, and for much more. I've personally been using red light therapy for years and lately have noticed that it's been especially helpful in improving my loose skin after an almost 100 pound weight loss. Um, And I have had between six babies and weight loss quite a bit of loose skin and red light really seems to be helping. You can learn more about all of the benefits of red light therapy by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama and you can also lock in an exclusive discount for listeners of this podcast at j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash wellness mama hello and welcome to the wellness mama podcast i'm katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com that's wellness with an e on the end and this episode is round two with one of the smartest people on the planet Uh, actually part two of round two. And I mean that literally like top 10 highest IQs on the planet, higher than they projected that Isaac Newton or Leonardo da Vinci had an IQ. So truly one of the smartest people that you will probably ever hear from uh, on a lot of topics. I, in part one of this episode, talked to him about consciousness, suffering, ego, and a lot of other topics related to that. And I wanted to have him on for this episode especially for this part we tackle in part two of this episode, which is a subject I've been getting a lot of questions about. And I wanted to have an an expert with a background in science, in medicine, in neurology, and in consciousness, and who has personal experience. So in this episode, we delve into the science and application of consciousness and substances like psychedelics from the medical and neurological perspective, 
as well as their use in trauma therapy and in their potential for many other things as well. And I know these are controversial topics. I would encourage you to listen to this episode with an open mind, not only because you're hearing from one of the smartest people in the world, but because these substances, while often misunderstood, have truly life-changing potential. And in this episode, I share my own personal experience uh, with several of them on how it was very pivotal in my own recovery from things. If you feel in yourself resistance or fear, even around the idea of these substances, I'd encourage you to explore why and at least consider Dr. Ted's points, as I've found on a purely personal level that the things I had the most resistance to learning about were often the things I needed to learn about the most. Like I said, there's a lot of misunderstanding about some of these topics, and certainly there can be misuse, but there's also considerable emerging research on their safety and their amazing potential for people with things like depression, PTSD, past trauma, and so much more. So I encourage you really go into this episode with an open mind. I hope that you learn as much as I did. And without further ado, let's join the world's smartest doctor. So I've talked about, I feel like all the physical elements of what I did that helped with recovering from those. And I no longer have thyroid disease and I've lost now very close to hundred pounds in the past few years. But the part I haven't publicly talked about until now, and the reason I wanted to talk about it with you is to have just gotten all that medical background first was that psychedelics were a big part of that trauma recovery for me. And I think it's really important. And you've highlighted this some, and I want to go deeper on it to really highlight the safety and how these are substantially different when used correctly than party drugs. I think they often get linked, like kind of lumped in with party drugs. And I was a child of the eighties who believed that, you know, drugs are bad and this is your brain on drugs and resisted that for a very long time. Um, Actually, until I was accidentally dosed with psilocybin and I didn't realize until after I had taken it. And then I got a very, very rapid lesson in, in ego dissolution. <laughs> <laughs> How many grams were you dosed? Uh, I think it probably close to five. Oh, my God. That is like, <laughs> that is like a heroic dose for me. Yeah. So I had fully processed that I was the ego died. I fully processed that I was obviously going to die because I didn't know ahead of time what I was going into. Um, but it also... The way I've kind of used an analogy is when you've been through a severe trauma, your brain seems or mind seem to compartmentalize and oh, yeah. like lock down a lot of things to keep me safe. And all the talk therapy in the world didn't let me access those things because it, in my mind, it was profoundly unsafe to do that. And I feel like psychedelics blurred that line between the conscious and the subconscious and those things that I had kept locked down and let me experience them, but in a way that wasn't dangerous. And so it let me, like you said, process those things without the emotional attachment to them and and without the meaning I was assigning and all the layers of things that I had added to that over the years and then be able to truly actually work through it. And what I experienced was a profound, that profound feeling of being able to let it go. It was not like, oh, I need to keep working on this for 10 more years with talk therapy. It was a, a full ability to acknowledge like this was a thing that happened, but it is not me. And I have now felt these things, but can let them go. And not only that, but I now have even tattooed on my wrist, the words amor fati, which means love what is. I can actually find deep gratitude for the lessons in that without being stuck in the pain of that. And so from, to answer your direct question, um, in various ways and in various different countries, I've experienced now psilocybin, um, MDMA. I'm not a fan of cannabis personally, just because I don't enjoy how I feel on it. Me too, although my products are in the cannabis space, right? But Pure, pure, pure molecules, right? I use pure yeah. molecules. And I'm a big fan of yeah. the blue trochies. Uh, and then I actually had an experience <laughs> with in Finland, the Amanita mushrooms with the Sami people up there. Oh, wow. How was that? How was that? Well, I'm, I'm curious. 
it was stronger, I feel like, than psilocybin. In, uh, um, it was a much more kind of, I felt like a big propulsion into, okay, we're going to deal with all these things. And it was a, a little bit more of a swirling storm versus sometimes it can be just a calm wave with others. But um, it was fascinating. And I'm really grateful to have gotten to experience it where it came from with the people who oh, yeah. are, oh, have the tradition. Oh, yeah. And, oh. yeah no, no, no. No, no, you're encouraging me. <laughs> but I think to like, um, I have, I've also done MDMA assisted therapy one time. Um, and I think there's tremendous, I've seen the studies that are coming out on that. I have good friends who are in maps and I'm really encouraged by what we're seeing as someone who had PTSD, who had been through severe trauma, uh, who had a near death experience. I had all these kind of things and seeing how profoundly they affected my life. I knew I had to talk about this publicly at some point, because when I shared my story of trauma, I kid you not, I got 5,000 letters from listeners and heard stories from my dad sold me for sex when I was seven to like horrific stories. I mean, just things that like shook me to my core to even read. And these people obviously experienced them. And I just, it made me realize like we need to open up the conversation about these things in a public way, because to your point earlier, they can help people not just with PTSD in such a profound way, but even actual addiction to other drugs that are dangerous, like cocaine, like meth, like heroin. And we're seeing these results, but I feel like they still get kind of lumped in with the dangerous and the party drugs. And there's a misunderstanding, especially in a lot of potentially people listening today, because I had that misunderstanding for many, many years. So I'd love to like talk a little bit deeper about this from the physiological side and the medical side, and also from the experiential side that you've had as well, the safety of these, because I think that's where a lot of the fear seems to stem from is that messaging you mentioned and, or just a misunderstanding of what's actually happening in the body or potentially long-term dangerous side effects that people are worried about, or, you know, what our brain's going to look like on drugs. So can you walk us from the medical and from your own experiential through that? Oh, uh, gladly, Katie. Um, um, you know, what is nice these days, since there is an open discussion now about these things, and I'm glad that you're taking up this discussion with me um, on uh, psychedelics and their safety, is that before it wasn't even um, uh, legal <laughs> to, to talk about this in the open, right? But now that we're talking about it in the open, you know, the, one of the first things, of course, at the back of your mind, especially as a physician, right, is, uh, you know, what's the safety uh, of these things? And um, you, you can, you, you, uh, you take a look at this and you see that for psychedelics, we could almost say, right, we could almost say that no one has actually died from these psychedelics. And the people who actually died from it died from something else, right? Uh, because of the poor information that they had before taking it, or they didn't know what they were taking was actually adulterated. Now, that's the first thing that you should uh, consider. Okay, when you're looking at a psychedelic, say it's LSD or MDMA, um, you know, they could be cut with like, like uh MDMA, for example, could be cut with so many other things, right? There are many research chemicals out there. And you could buy, uh, actually, there are kits 
so, say someone gifts you some MDMA uh, and so on, you could actually um, buy a kit to test the purity, whether or not you're actually getting MDMA. So that's uh, the first thing that um, uh, I encourage people to do is know your source, right? Know the source of these things. And if you're going to a physician, of course, uh, and who's uh, first in this, they will give you, of course, the pure source, uh, the, the pure the pure uh, material, right? And and so when when you're when you're uh, when you're taking mushrooms, of course, you have to know whether or not you're taking. Uh, you know, it's it's like when they say this is a gram dried grams. You know, uh, when they say it's wet grams or dried grams, don't don't take the weight of wet grams for dried grams. I mean, you'll be totally overdosing, right? So be mindful of the recommended doses because those are the doses where we know uh, you are going to be in a safe space. But we already know that there is um, uh, that uh, the the margin uh, of tolerance for uh, for all of, for for these uh, psychedelics are actually very high. You know, your uh, so but but see the preparedness for the experience is a totally different thing, right? Because it could be traumatic for some people, especially for those who who um, uh, are not willing to give up their ego. It's a very traumatic, and it's a common experience, uh, even for those who willingly take it. Right? Like I'm dying. I'm dying. You know, I'm 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 really I'm I'm, I'm really dying. I'm I'm not coming back anymore. And that's a very common experience. Now. The thing is, it's, it's, and, and it was going on the back of my mind when you because I'm never doing this again, ever, ever again, ever, ever again. And then you find yourself doing it again because you wanted to resolve something else, right? Um, so that's the other part of it is that these psychedelics are non-addicting, right? Um, uh, except for, you know, uh, MDMA has some uh, uh, addictive qualities to it if, if you don't watch out. That's why it's actually given... Um, um, only in two 50 milligram doses, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in two separate uh, psychotherapy um, uh, sessions. Um, so, so mind the purity, right? It's the first part in safety. Second is mind the dose, right? Uh, mind the dose that you're using. Now, uh, the third, very important in every experience is the set and setting, right? Uh, by set, I usually just say mindset, right? What's your intention in using this? And these are certainly, you know, I certainly don't use this recreationally at all. Like, these are not recreational drugs. They're not addicting. And most people describe them to you as difficult. You know, these are difficult uh, molecules to take. But they're also ranked up there as one of the top five life-changing experiences that one could ever have. So have... The attitude that I take is uh, something of um, uh, something that Dennis McKenna and I have the I had the pleasure of knowing uh, Dennis on a few occasions uh, and we worked together on a few occasions. But um, he says, you know, just because they're not people doesn't mean that they have nothing to teach us. You know, these are they, he calls them these are plant teachers and the molecules are there is their language of teaching. Is their language of teaching. So, because we're filled with so much pride that we can teach other people, et cetera, et cetera, and we speak in symbolic language, that others can't do the same. And, you know, plants can do that. Fungi can do that, right? And it's just that their mode of communication or the mode of teaching us is via these molecules. Let me show you another dimension. Let me show you another way to be, right? Uh, 
so that's that's the uh, uh, the the mindset. Now the setting is very important. Um, you know, um, there are, for example, uh, when you go to to say Burning Man and uh, other places where there are psychedelics and stuff, you know, there is there usually tents that will do mitigation for all this. They will give you information. They will test what you have. You know, they will mitigate stuff for you. They will give you hydration and so on and so forth. Uh, but the, the setting is very important. For example, uh, you're doing this with a therapist. Are you doing this with an experienced sitter? You know, um, does the, the sitter know what to do, you know, with you? Um, you know, uh, are there any, um, uh, do you have any uh, pre-existing medical conditions uh, that the, the sitter has to know about and that your doctor has already cleared uh, beforehand, right? If you, especially if you're an older person with a chronic disease uh, and so on, because you know, uh, some of these psychedelics can increase your blood pressure, right? Uh, uh, some of them can increase, not dangerously high, uh, but, you know, uh, you watch out for them. Uh, I've known uh, of some uh, patients who have gone for psychedelic therapy with experienced therapists, um, but, uh, you know, they, they do take their blood pressure medication on the day of the therapy, so, so the blood pressure is continuously controlled. So, and then um, the other thing that to, you be wary about is, you know, um, if this is your first time, don't do candy flipping. For those who don't know what candy flipping is, is, you know, using one psychedelic now and then uh, an hour later using another. You know, uh, don't mix them. You know, uh, you know, you, 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 uh, if it's the first time, you, you basically would like to take it for the purity of the experience, right? Uh, for a period of experience. For those who are, for example, uh, going to take uh, ketamine for depression, there are prescribed doses, right? There is the intravenous way of doing it. There is the, um, uh, there is the trochee uh, uh, way of, of doing it, but make sure uh, that it's always followed up with uh, psychotherapy, um, with a psychotherapy um, session. Now, in order to get the most of any of these sessions, uh, you know, uh, for safety and efficacy, you know, it's, it's just we, we, we can talk about this together, is that really uh, in any journey that you take, there has to be uh, a period of integration, right? An integration period where you actually talk to someone about your experience and so on, or what you're willing to share. And this is a non-judgmental sort of like, you're the one doing all the talking, right? you you're doing this and saying this and saying that and it's just basically a sounding board and probably just to probe more about the experience rather than uh telling you what the experience was about right um it's probe more about the experience and and essentially uh you know probe more about about uh what insights you're getting because remember the effects of the psychedelics um are you know as for people they're lifelong right especially in the first three months you know it's like it's one realization after the other even just from a single um a single mushroom journey uh for example would do that to you now there is a um a warning here for the mentally unstable right those who are uh you know um have a uh, especially for those with a diagnosed schizophrenia or, you know, um, um, are suspected of having a, a mental disorder, like a bipolar disorder, a mood disorder, like uh, bipolar disorder, etc. This can be difficult to administer, right? Uh, uh, they say, for example, if you're in a depressive phase of a, of a bipolar disorder, it may be okay to give this stuff, but not on the manic phase. So, 
But for me, um, you know, if you are diagnosed with any of this, please, you know, you have to consult with your psychiatrist and see, you know, what, what the proper advice is for this, because this can unhinge you, right? But if you have a tendency for schizophrenia, it will push you into that particular direction. Uh, not to scare anyone, right? But this is all about safety, right? Uh, you should know. Because as, as Katie and I were talking about here, you know, you, you will experience, oh, my God, I'm dying. I'm dying. You know, I, I swear I'm not going to return anymore. Right. Uh, this is it. I'm dead. Right. And if you think you cannot withstand something like that, don't do it. Right. Uh, do it because there's a certain readiness on your part. Right. A certain readiness on your part to uh, to take a look and, you know, for example, process your trauma or be able to to gain insights on why uh, on, a, on a loss right that you cannot get over with right you example you're in in severe grief for already like five years over the loss of a loved one like a child or, or a spouse and, and so on or you know as you said sexual traumas uh, which are buried there from from uh, childhood or uh, early adulthood right or um uh, sudden, uh, sudden violent acts or chronic violent acts, like in battered wives, you know. So, make sure that when you are you you are uh, uh, in in uh, going to, to take these substances, you know, make sure that you're already in therapy for one. So you have a good handle on what your condition is, right? Make sure that you're in therapy so you have a good handle on what your condition is. If you're healthy and, and so on, I would. Um, uh, I wouldn't encourage people, you know, to uh, to follow uh, the guidelines of purity on dosing on an experienced therapist or an experienced sitter, you know, at the proper set and setting, the proper mindset of why you're doing it, what's your intention, and intention is very important, and then um, what setting are you going to take it, you know, peaceful surroundings, and a surrounding where you feel safe, right? For example, much of the, uh, the, the reported death in ayahuasca, I mean, two, I think, uh, it was from the fact that in the middle of of the uh, of the journey, they actually stumbled out of the of the camp or you know or, or, or of the compound, and uh, you know no one actually uh, was assisting them. So um, you know um, while uh, you know I'm I'm not I'm not knocking on on on, on uh, groups that give ayahuasca journeys, and many of them are professional, uh, and you know will 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 uh, uh, basically. Uh, guide you and and so on, but I'm I'm um, I, I I'm I'm just saying choose you know from from among these professional uh, organizations I mean choose choose wisely where you where you want to go right who you want to go with right um, I know that many younger uh, uh, young adults in there want to try this just for kicks right uh, you know as uh, uh, many people do um, you know. If you want it, ask mommy and daddy, right? It's, it's, this, is, this is not a toy. It is not a simple drug to deal with, right? Um, uh, although, although it is um, uh, physically safe, right? Uh, although it's physically safe, you know, you don't know what you will experience while you're in it, right? As I said, one of the things that I uh, don't like about about psychedelics uh, in in the context of 
enlightenment or awareness or expansion of consciousness is it changes the contents of your consciousness, right? To something more fantastical or dreadful, right? Phantasmagoric or something like that. And in, 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 uh, normal meditation or uh, what they call ordinary consciousness, it should be our ordinary consciousness to be meta-aware, right? Um, is that this, this, what we see around us, what, what we're looking at is the contents of our consciousness, right? But psychedelics will change that. But at the same time, the big, the big uh, bonanza uh, of the psychedelics, that it rewires your brain, right? Different, it, it does a rewiring of the brain. Um, for example, in ketamine, uh, Katie, uh, it's known that uh, within, uh, you know, right after, um, uh, just a few hours after ketamine administration, you know, there are the new dendrites, meaning the, the portions of the nerve cell that will actually uh, connect with another, uh, another neuron actually begin to sprout, right? So you're going to get more connections in your brain. So, so that's uh, um, uh, uh, th those are my my words on, on on safety here. But you know, your listeners are educated. You know, the resources out are out there. Go and look at reputable resources for what you are going to do. Right? Um, there are there are uh, experienced professionals out there uh, that would do this. Uh, for you. And if you don't want to take it here in the United States, there are experienced professionals elsewhere in the world. I'm still envious of your, uh, of your uh, Amanita experience, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there's, and it's also legality in other parts of the world. I want to talk about that in a minute, but to highlight a couple of things you just said, that many people who do this wouldn't consider this comfortable experiences, but would rate them as life-changing experiences. And I think that's an important point because often our life-changing experiences are not comfortable. I've given birth six times, five times were natural. They weren't comfortable experiences. They were some of the most profound and life-changing and wonderful days of my life. Same with when I almost died, not a comfortable experience, very profound and life-changing. And so I think it's understanding that often the things that are going to be the most pivotal aren't always going to be just comfortable in the short term, but that there can be a profound effect in the long term. And that when we differentiate and talk about the safety side, these are substances, like you said, that can change the brain for the good, that can lead to new good brain growth and myelination and beneficial effects versus things like cocaine. And from my understanding, even cannabis can harm the brain with overuse in the long term if used incorrectly, whereas some of these substances we're talking about can actually benefit the brain physiologically as well. Is that right? Um, it's, uh, for, for cannabis, it's actually uh, age-related, right? So for cannabis, you'll see the benefits more um, in uh, older people, right? It aids in their cognition, in their memory, and so on. But for teenagers and younger, you know, uh, it ba basically, um, uh, it actually uh, interferes with short-term memory formation and so on. So it's uh, two, two different uh, tiers for that. And um, uh, I always like to say this, uh, remember guys, the only difference between a um, a drug and a poison is the dose, right? But uh, what is uh, missing there is that when you give it, right? At what age do you give this? So th there's a there's a, a, a difference, right? In in terms of uh, in terms of the effects uh, of these particular drugs for cannabis, we're only beginning to um, to uh, 
uh, elucidate the science now. We do have an endocannabinoid system uh, in our body. We, we, have, we have endocannabinoids, meaning the same molecules as the phytocannabinoids of cannabis, right? So we're, we're asking the question, why is this preserved in there by evolution? Why do we have receptors for, uh, for, uh, for uh, marijuana? Uh, molecules, right? Why do we have these receptors there? And we now beginning to understand that it's actually for homeostasis, right? For pain and for inflammation and so on. It's all over the body. So, so we, we're still beginning to understand. And the studies that we've done before were all on whole plants. So now we're only beginning to study like the particular molecule in there, which I'm very keen about, right? What does this particular cannabinoid do? Like cannabicherol. Uh, for example, uh, say, uh, Katie, we're, uh, my company is coming out with like a, a something for anxiety, like a trochee for anxiety, right? And it has, uh, it has a cannabinoid there, uh, aside from CBD, uh, a cannabinoid uh, called uh, cannabicerol, right? And, and so we're, 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 I'm looking at this from a pure standpoint, and that's why I'm, you know, I can, I get flack from the community. It's like, oh, you know, you should have to get the whole natural plant, but I don't work that way, right? As a, as a, as a pharmacologist and as a doctor, I do want to, to uh, know what's going on in my body and in the body uh, of, of uh, the uh, of the people who are going to be taking that, you know, in other words, I treat them as drugs, even if they're considered supplements, right? Um, and, uh, and, uh, the, I think the danger for me is like, uh, you know, treating something like this as uh, something that's, uh, a consumer, uh, consumer product, right? For me, it's, it's like, I treat it more like a drug-like product rather than a consumer product because I am after the safety, uh, of, of, uh, the people who are going to be using, you know, uh, this, uh, the supplements at the same time efficacious. Now for, um, for, uh, uh, the, because we're we're looking at different receptor systems here, right? Uh, so so as as you said, uh, as I said earlier, like uh, for example, um, uh, the cannabis would be uh, with the CB1, CB2 receptors and the orphan receptors, etc. So we find that in our body we have five HT2A receptors. You know, there there are receptors for LSD, um, DMT. Um, uh, and uh, psilocin, right? Uh, the bud, the the mushroom contains psilocybin. is converted by the body into psilocin, right? Uh, and it's a psilocin that's uh, active, and it's a five five HD two A receptor. So you also have to ask the question: What is the body doing with this five HD two A receptor, right? That is uh, uh, that is uh, uh, responsive to a natural substance like uh, psilocin. So. There are evolutionary purposes for this, right? And it's too bad we don't know. We don't know the history of uh, how it developed. We don't even know. You know, we're barely we barely know the story of our, cell, our own cellular evolution. We have it in broad strokes, but we don't know this particular details, right? But uh, when when you're looking at this, you know, uh, I, I encourage you to to look at it really from thirty thousand feet, right? We have locks in our body. You know, we have these are receptors. We have locks in our body for different molecules. We have locks for for uh, uh, cannabis molecules. We have locks for psychedelic molecules. You know, five HE two A. We have we have uh, locks for all of these things. And then we have keys too that we produce ourselves. Right, serotonin we produce it. Right, um, 
for uh, endocannabinoids, you produce it. For opiates, we have an opiate system, right? Uh, we have endo endo endogenous opiate system. So we have all these molecules we're producing. And then, you know, there are plants that actually contain these molecules. So you could already see that, you know, hey, you know, let's not be judgmental about this. You know, we're producing this ourselves and the plants are producing this. And they're, they're basically locking basically the keys, the same keys that would open our receptor locks. So when you're looking at this and you're looking at it without any judgment, any emotion, et cetera, et cetera, just ask yourself the question, okay, we have the key inside our body. Yes. Does the key exist in the plant kingdom or in the fungi kingdom um, and or uh, in other, any other place? Like in toads, for example. Yes. You know, so you could you could immediately answer the question. Well, you know, there is there is an adaptive purpose for this. You know, there, otherwise evolution will not have left those there. Right. Um it, it, we 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 are we are uh, we are adapted to to what we have, which was the situation the situation you know yesterday. We're not adapted for today. I mean, look at us, you know, with all our bright lights and toxic environments and so on. Uh, but our receptors are there as a reminder, like, hey, you know, these are adapted for something. So it's to be non-judgmental about these things. And then the other thing I'd like to remind um, uh, uh, parents, especially, is not to confuse, right? Not to confuse, uh, for example, psychedelics and, uh, uh, you know, um, attention deficit disorder, you know, and and uh, uh, and, and, and other uh, syndromes which are common in kids, right? Um, I was asked this question and I, it just like, really occurred to me, like uh, some parents are actually using uh, cannabis to calm their kids down, right? Um, and um, I, I said, uh, and, and it's, it's sort of like they're using it like an ADHD type of medication. And I said, you know, um, the, again, based on the lock and key uh, mechanism, right? That lock and key system is the endocannabinoid system. The lock and key system for ADHD uh, for learning is actually the dopaminergic system. Now, dopamine is the reward, um, uh, the a molecule of the brain, right? And it is dopamine that's addictive. Cocaine, for example, will kick your dopamine up to 4,000%, okay? So, and that's why it is addictive. When you are dealing with an addictive substance, you are sure that it's kicking up your dopamine by high percentage. So, but this again, you know, again, it's a matter of dosage, right? So like, for example, in the Andes, if you've ever, ever checked the Andes, etc., you are served coca leaves, right? In coca tea and there's, you know, uh, and there's cocaine in there, right? It helps with altitude sickness and, and all that. You chew the leaves and, uh, and so on. And that's fine, right? But when you refine it and give it a higher dose, it gives you this, this huge dopamine bump and you become you become the wolf of on, on wall street right <laughs> because it makes you feel so invincible that's this and what i'd like your 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 uh listeners to know is that this is a different lock and key system right that's just a different it's just interfacing with the cannabinoid system the opioid system so not to lump this all you know um into a single problem or a single issue right you have your dopaminergic system, which is a highly addictive, like cocaine. You have your opiate system, 
right? Which is, uh, uh, you know, with our opiate epidemic, we have a lock and key system for that. And, you know, it, it was abused because it's a, it's, it's a good for relieving pain, right? And then you have their endocannabinoids, which is actually great for for um, uh, relieving seizures, right? For Charlotte Fiji and Charlotte's Web, for example, right? And, and uh, there are syndromes in kids like... Uh, 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 Dervais syndrome or the Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, for example, these are intractable seizures that can be quiet, quieted down by CBD. So don't use that to quiet down your children's behavior, right? That's that's a different mechanism altogether, right? Uh, um, that's 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 for seizures and hyperactive uh, foci in the brain. So so when you, when you look at this, you know, when people look at drugs, they tend to lump them up together. And a practical way to do this is really, um, you know, any any uh, any person could do this is like, what lock and key system does is it affecting in the brain? Is it you know the opiate system? Uh, is it the dopaminergic system? Is it the serotonin serotoninergic system like your classic uh, psychedelics? You know, is it uh, the cannabinoid system? Is it the GABAergic system? The GABA, GABA you know, GABA-abinobutyric acid is the major inhibitor of the brain. And GABAergic systems, um, you know, um, would calm you down. And um, uh, guess what the, you know, the most, one of the most popular drugs for so many decades now has been. It's Valium, right? Valium uh, basically uh, will, will lock on to your, will, will is the key to your uh, GABA receptor and say, okay, you know, chill, baby, and that's what happens, right? So these are these are different things. They are not, you know, it's like one drug issue. No, it's not. You know, each is its own lock and key system, and we should consider these things separately because their 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 actions are different, right? Their their actions are different, and the way we look at them should be uh, like, okay, what system are we affecting? So if you have this kind of perspective, it will be easy to teach your kids, right? If they want to try something, oh, they they want to try a psychedelic. Okay, then that's a serotoninergic system. Then you could say, okay, here's what happens in, in that. Um, oh, uh, Katie, before I forget, is uh, one of the things that um, uh, I, I wanted to touch on really is like, what do you do after, say, you take um, you take uh uh, MDMA, right? Uh, and after that, what do you what do you take, right? And you know that it will deplete your serotonin, right? Because it will raise your serotonin and will it will deplete it. Um, so you know um, you, you could you could do a Google search out there. You could uh, uh, probably help yourself with some five HTP capsules uh, afterwards. You know. Uh, you hydrate, you take some 5-HTP capsules and don't take it probably until six months later, you know, or, or a year later. Um, because for some people who are sensitive to it, um, you know, um, the, 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 um, uh, there's called, uh, I, I think it's a series, right? Uh, it's a series like yeah, Depressive Mondays and something and then Suicide Wednesday or something like that. It's, it's, it's like a series of how people feel. Like, of course, you'll get over it, but these are the kinds of things that can be um, help. You know, if you know how to take care of yourself afterwards, and there are guides out there. You know, if you're going to try these, then uh, this is this will probably help after that. If you are, for example, uh, uh, tried out what you didn't know, 
was actually a research chemical that boosted your your dopamine um, quite a bit. And you know that a drug is dopaminergic if you compulsively want to redose. Like you took one now, and then if you want to take another one after an hour, you know that's dopaminergic, right? Uh, you already uh, should be on the lookout. It's like, oh, this is highly addictive, right? So, what can you take? Like after that, you know, if you, because your dopamine is going to get depleted, right? You can take like a, a something like mucinaprurians, uh, for example, you know, which is a, a natural uh, dopamine um, source. But you also need to be careful, right? Because the body knows how to uh, protect itself, right? So, what happens? For example, when you raise the dopamine way too high, the um, the body will actually decrease the number of locks that you can open. It's like oh, there's too, too, too many keys in there. I don't I don't want you know uh, too many keys in there. I'm going to decrease the number of locks because there's too much stimulation, and that's why you see cocaine um, uh, addicts wanting more and more, right? <laughs> because there's less and less uh, of what they feel, and that's called it's called tolerance, right? They're beginning to tolerate the drug. So there, um, um, uh, so these are the kinds of things that if you are looking at this for some purpose, right, uh, or just for um, for uh, uh, a spiritual experience, or to feel connected, or you know, uh, just curious as like what are they really talking about here? You know, uh, you know, then make sure that you're educated as to uh, you know how you want this. And it's very important that you go with people and substances that are known, right? Uh, that that you know where it came from, and that you know who's giving it. And uh, uh, the more um, the more experience the person has uh, in in terms of being able to give you, the probably if you're the, if it's the first time, it's probably uh, a lot better for you. So that and now legality, right? Well, real quick, I want to say I love that you brought up some of these things. And I talk to my kids about these substances already. My oldest is only 14. And I've always been a big proponent of giving kids as much information as they're ready for as soon as possible when they ask. And whether that be when it comes to nutrition, I don't just be like, oh, these foods are good or bad or vegetables are good. And this is bad. It's this is how this food is impacting your body and the nutrients that it contains and how your blood sugar can go up when you in explaining because they're so capable of understanding. Oh, yeah, absolutely this with my kids, I tell them, you know, they're drugs is one word that means lots of things. And it can mean everything from food used in like food is a drug exercise can be a drug. And there are pharma, like pharmacological substances are drugs. We use them all the time in medicine, certainly. And when it comes to these drugs that would be considered recreational or some of the ones we've talked about today that can be really profound, there's, there are different categories and there are drugs that can kill you if you take them incorrectly one time. And those are the ones you should be afraid of and you should not touch them or try them period full stop. But there's other ones that it's how they're used and using them correctly and understanding them. So I want them to have an understanding and a hopefully healthy fear of the ones that are dangerous. Um, and, and I think it's important to not just kind of how maybe it was for me, like all drugs are bad and, and to yeah. give our kids more information. And I, you also mentioned earlier about studies on these substances versus traditional medication for even things like depression. And the research I've seen, I'm sure you've seen much more, it is absolutely astounding how much these substances are outperforming antidepressants in studies. Like truly, to me, almost criminal that these are not being more widely available now because they're helping so many people. But can you just kind of give a little more color on the difference between these substances and antidepressants in research right now? Sure. Um, but um, first, 
uh, a word of advice to your listeners. Um, I will give you the best antidepressant ever um, that won't cost you a thing, right? It outperform. It's a sixty percent effective, right? Sixty uh, percent effective, and if you get on it program, it guaranteed that it's probably got cut down on your depression by sixty percent. What is it? It's something that you hate to do. It's called exercise. And that is the best uh, antidepressant to date. As you said, antidepressants are uh, you, uh, exercise can be a drug. And this is a case where you should use exercise as a drug for depression. Okay. Now, the um, in terms of uh, depression for, uh, versus the, the uh, uh, psychedelics and that we were we were talking about. Now. We used to think that there was this um, um, serotonin theory of depression, right? You lack serotonin, and you, you know, you uh, had little dopamine, and you had anhedonia, you, uh, and so on. And that was the serotonin theory, and then we had like um, we developed SSRIs, right? Uh, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The first one was Prozac, and now we have what's called. Um, uh, SNRI, so selective SSNRI, selective serotonin norepinephrine inhibitors, right? Because uh, dopamine becomes uh, epinephrine, and epinephrine is your wakefulness thing, right? Remember, uh, you know, Katie, there was a period in my life when I was uh, actually in two years of severe depression, right? Uh, uh, I think I've admitted it this before in just one podcast i tried to kill myself when i was uh, 16 years old right and um and then uh again uh at 40. uh this is from uh, from depression right and that's why i'm very attuned to uh uh to to depression and depression drugs and what's going on in the depression world uh, contrary to what people think uh depression is not your mind really not doesn't go down your your mind actually raises and for the most part, your mind is actually angry, right? It's just raging on and on and on, and it's not expressing anything, right? And the new studies, uh, for example, I think it's just uh, uh, two, three weeks ago also, where they showed that, you know, if you want to know the truth, ask a depressive patient because they don't have an optimistic mindset, right? They will just tell you, do I look fat in this dress? And they will say yes. So that's... <laughs> That's uh, that's a depressive for you, and it's not you. It's it's not adaptive for them, right? Because in order to be able to live comfortably, you need to have some rose-colored glasses, even no matter how slight the tint, just a tiny hope, right? But useful for survival. Oh, I will get through this, and I'm able. I'm, I'm going to be able to to get my kids in shape, and and so on, you know. So that's the 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 function of that optimism, right? Is to allow you for survival. But depressives don't have that. So that that with that with that um, um, filter uh, actually gone, right? Then so you have you have this uh, um, uh, reverberating circuits. In fact, it has been shown recently. There's an area in the brain called the habenula. Right, uh, and and they showed that in depressed people, it's a very hyperactive because you're always referring to yourself. And when I lecture, I usually say, uh, and and depressives will hate me, but hey, uh, I was one myself. Uh, is is like you know, it's a very selfish uh, disease, right? But I know it is a disease, right? Because everything points back to you, right? Me, 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 and that's a default mode network type 
of uh, activity, very hyperactive, always self-referential, always referring to me. Why is this being done to me? Why is this happening to me? Or the, the reason why they thought the dopamine levels were, were also low is because I don't enjoy anything, right? It's called anhedonia. I'm not uh, enjoying anything. So their uh, solution here uh, was then to boost your uh, serotonin levels, right? Uh, to do that. But so now, if you look at psychedelics, let's take a look at two forks here, right? Well, I just said that the, the, that the DMN is hyperactive, right? So because there's so much self-referential stuff. Uh, so the, with the DMN uh, in there, so what can quiet the DMN very, very quickly, right? Is uh, ketamine. Ketamine can just boom, you know, uh, quiet it and, and, and reset it very quickly. And... And now um, it's, as I said, it's already being approved for treatment-resistant depression. But you know what? Um, and this is just me. I'm not recommending uh, that any other doctor do this. Is that, for example, in in um, in uh, acute depression where there is, for example, severe and sudden and expected loss of a loved one, right? Uh, I think a, an immediate uh, ketamine therapy would be very very useful for uh, the person not to get further traumatized by what's going on right um and and uh that's me but but for now it's like they exhaust all the means for antidepressants first before they give you uh actual ketamine so that's to silence your dmn now other part of it is uh actually uh the, the use of um uh, low dose uh psychedelics right for example low dose lsd and the reason for that is that LSD, for example, will bind uh, very strongly, uh, in fact, to the 5-H2A receptor, which is, a, as I said, a serotonin receptor, and can lift your mood. You know, uh, in fact, um, you know, uh, there's, there's even a book uh, that's written about this where she was microdosing, right? Uh, and after about a month, it's like she experienced a pleasant day uh, after several months of being depressed. Right? So it's... It's just a nothing, just being able to appreciate that the sun was shining outside, you know, those green, uh, those green meadow that you're looking at, there were flowers out the window, etc. Many of us take that for granted, um, you know, and, uh, but for depressives, like that doesn't mean anything, that doesn't strike a chord, right? Um, it, it's funny because of when I'm a microdose, Katie, is that I want to touch all the plants. When I'm walking, I, I touch all the plants, whether they prickly or flowery or whatever, you know, I, I, I touch all of them. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, that's the thing in there is that it stimulates uh, the 5-H2A receptor uh, just as a, a, a lower dose where things seem a little brighter, right? Things, things that the colors seem to pop a little bit more. It's sub-perceptual, like you almost feel like nothing, but there is a certain free free quality to it. Like, uh, there's a certain free quality to the experience. So that's a relationship with with uh, with uh, psychedelics as we talked uh, we talked about. You can also use, of course, microdoses of uh, psilocybin and so on. You you should ask, you know, before you do this, uh, as I said, you should ask your your um, uh, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist. Many of them, uh, if not most of them, are very open to this. You know why? It's because they don't know how, uh, they don't have anything to give anymore, right? We've swept this under the rug. And, and you know, um, Katie, I had an experience here. Um, 
uh, over a decade, probably a um, decade and a half ago, I was approached by a psychiatrist here in my neighborhood and said, Ted, he said, um, uh, can you help me with something? I said, I know that this is within your line of expertise. Uh, this is what you do. I said, what? He said, you know, we psychiatrists are so good at getting into antidepressants, but we have no way of getting you out. Can you help me devise a way to get patient, my patients out of antidepressants? They've been on antidepressants for years and they've been moving from one to the other to the other. Right. And that's the that's the issue that psychiatrists face. Many of them are are actually um, you know, compassionate about this. They go, you know, you know, I got you addicted to this, to these uh drugs already, and you're you're in them. You know, I I my best friend in med school, you know, committed suicide and she was she was uh, on eight uh antidepressant drugs, right? So so you, you could see this, uh, you know, you see this, we're very good at this, but we're not very effective, right? But when you see this, uh, this, there's a lot of hope when you see, you know, oh my God, ketamine therapy, oh my God, you know, um, psilocybin and, and uh, LSD, you know, and uh, uh, DMT, you know, you, you can use this uh, for this, uh, for these things. And then you could use uh, MDMA for PTSD and, you know, um, and so on. It's It's like, it, it, for me, it's like this is relieving suffering, right? And as you know, my my motto in my company is "smarter, not harder." Is uh, you know um, to to relieve suffering in myself uh, uh, and to relieve suffering in others, knowing that there is no other, like you and the other person. There is no difference, right? That your suffering is the is the same suffering as theirs, right? And uh, and just being able to experience Katie, just being able to experience once the peace of not having the ego scream at you all day long, yeah, ta, 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 you know, and uh, and you know, judging you and judging other people and criticizing. So just to have that one-time experience of not having that at all, and then being able to cultivate that in the daily practice of meditation, I think you found true happiness. So whatever life deals you, you know, you're already happy right at any one incident of time and i said uh, that's why i tell my patients you know you actually can be happy even if you're in severe pain right because you could see the pain arise and say oh there's the pain it's like my body loves me actually because you know it's giving this pain signal saying that it is it, it is this right but you know pain is one of those that's very constricting right it brings your ego right back smack down it's like fuck blah, 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 blah. I, you know, this is so painful, you know, my sciatica is acting up and, you know, my kid jumped on me and, you know, my sciatica started acting up and so on and so forth. That's the real pain is the story that you created after that, you know, and, um, but the, the pain itself is just there and it could be observed, right? And you could do whatever treatments that need to, to get done with it. So that's the, um, that's the relationship uh, that uh, I think could be easily established um, between you know um, depression and the classic the drugs for the treatment of depression and what they usually do and now we know what the DMN does and uh, we know we know where the where classic um, uh, psychedelics uh, do their work you know and then we we put them into action uh, into those particular areas and I said all you need to do is to know what the keys are 
and where the lock and what the locks are that are inside your body. Right? Yeah, and that meditation is also an important part of that key and can be very important both with this or on its own. And, and I want to speak to the people who maybe are like me, how I used to be of still having that resistance or fear of like, oh, drugs are bad. And I've learned the hard way in life. Anytime I encountered a very strong resistance to questioning something, that was almost always the thing I most needed to evaluate more deeply. And so I actually now have a conscious practice practice that every year I make a list of things I firmly believe to be true. And then I question them by purposely reading things that would have alternate viewpoints. And it, I've learned so much from doing this, but I just offer that encouragement to anyone who maybe still has some like fear or, or resistance. Definitely be cautious with these things. We're explaining the safety, but I, I just encourage people to like thoughtfully question any belief that's so firmly held that you're afraid to question it in general, especially because you, you touched on it earlier, but these are substances that have been used throughout different cultures, throughout as much of recorded history as we have in different ways. And I may have my facts wrong, but I've even read that in like the biblical traditions, there are actually references to these substances in the Bible or things that were burned in temples for potentially acacia wood, which was very high in DMT. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, there's even a, there's even a, a, a you know, a, a supposition, right? That um, the burning bush was actually a marijuana plant. So... Uh, and you know, for it's like all of these things that were were um, being uh, seen were actually all of these hallucinations. Um, it, actually, you touch on the heart, uh, you know, of of uh, meditation itself. You know, you say, "What are you resisting?" Etc. Exactly, it's exactly that that is actually a fruit of meditation. See, when you you know uh, you you encounter someone during the day say your kid or your spouse or a friend and it gets you defensive there is something in you that's resisting that and that's your ego it's like ooh, there is something resisting here right you get defensive right you get the you you defend at all costs what's what's right for you and what's wrong for you because that's what the ego does that's what the self does right it, it, it's it, as I said, it has a defensive function, and you just have to the meta awareness uh, that you get from from uh, doing the meditation actually gets you to see that your ego is trying to defend itself. Oh, there's a defensive function of it, right? But that practice is actually great because when you're resisting something, is when you least realize that you're resisting something, right? Uh, in Buddhism, you know, um, there's uh, uh, there's this thing that when uh, it's uh, one of the things that you you have to be aware of is you're clinging to a particular idea, right? And therefore, the flip side of that, if you're clinging to a particular idea, is you resist new ideas. So uh, it means that you are clinging to something, right? So as I said, clinging in aversion, right? Uh, instead of just letting them arise, like. You know that's the that's the right concept, and this is the right concept, and that's a you know you're wrong, I'm right, and uh, one of the things that um, perplexes my my uh, students is when I tell them you know um, uh, when I when I tell them uh, would you rather be um, would you rather be uh, 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 happy or would you rather be right? I, take your pick. You know I choose to be happy. Yeah, it's like. It's like, and I said, uh, I usually tell them uh, in the following way. I said, you know what? You're right, but I'm happy. So I love that so much. So, 
Yeah. Would you rather be happy or would you rather be right? Because much of the stuff that we argue about, it's like, no, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, uh, and so on. It, it, it has its roots in that, right? If you're clinging to a basic idea. And one of the things that you have to, you can observe in meditation, one of the things that you can develop uh, is if in your daily life, and this is not informal meditation, this is in the meditation of daily life, right? Is to uh, actually uh, look and 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 see where you're getting defensive, right? Where you're getting defensive. There are also many um, techniques uh, that you can use in life, Katie, uh, that uh, you know th that are derived from, like for example, the Stoic practices, right? Uh, the Stoic practices can be summarized really in in a very simple uh, saying, you know, uh, do what you can with what you have where you are. You know, you don't have to go wherever to do it. And one of the practices that they do. Uh, really is, you know, we call it gratitude meditation, but they, they, they call it negative visualization, right? It's like, imagine that you lost your spouse, right? And, you know, oh my God, you know, then, then you realize how important your spouse is to you, right? Or you may imagine that you're, you you know, um, uh, that uh, uh, you, it, it, this happened to me actually, even before I learned about stoicism, when I was in medical school, you know, I would go to the orthopedics apartment, Katie, and then I would, I would come back the next day and be grateful that I still had, uh, I still had knees. They were not, I didn't have, that were not amputated. I could still walk without, you know, uh, a prosthetic. It's, it's sort of like I have hands that move and work. You know, those simple things become acutely because you see all of these people, right? Uh, and you're working and there's this awareness uh, that uh, you, you do. And, and that's, you know, um, you know, one technique that you could you could do to to shed your resistance to something is you know when you're resisting something and you say what if 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 uh, this this opposition was lost you know what would I have and uh, that's one and another thing is a uh, what's called a, a last time uh, meditation right uh, because you never know the last time that you're going to pick your kid up and and hug you right uh, and they bring your kid to bed. There's a last time for that, and you never know where, when the when that's gonna be. Your kid will be too big to pick up already, right? Yes, and and uh, you know, you you don't know when when the last time for me, you know, uh, I didn't know that at thirty age thirty nine would be the last time I'd ever go camping with really a tent and all, right? Um, at age forty, you know, camping for me was a motel six. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's um. You know, th these are these are the things that uh, sort of like help you along the way in order to to uh, you know deal with uh, deal with life the way it is. You know, life is just as it is; it just unfolds by itself, right? And it's our effort to just control and control and control. The it's like it's as if you know it's it's the illusion of control. It's as if we actually have it uh, under control, but life does what it does, right? We and that's why I say life is a dance, right? It's not a journey. Uh, people say life's a journey. No, no, no. Life's a dance. In a journey, you have to reach a destination. And if you consider that, then death is a destination. Don't forget it. That's not life. Life is a dance, right? You enjoy the dance. You enjoy the music. You don't, you don't dance just because you want to in, reach the end of the music, right? You dance because you're enjoying the dance right now. And the way to, to embrace life is not too tightly, your partner will choke, right? Not too loosely, it will go away, just right. And that, that embrace is 
with the ideas that you have, with your possessions, with uh, you know uh, experiences, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just lightly, right? So you're able to swing around and dance and enjoy the music. I love so. That's a beautiful analogy. This episode is sponsored by my friends at Four Sigmatic, my longtime source for superfood mushroom infused beverages like tea, coffee, and elixirs. I've also really been enjoying their new plant-based protein powder, which is infused with seven functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and no harmful fillers. It's really easy to add to smoothies or to drink on its own in water. I've even made whipped cappuccino smoothies using their vanilla protein powder and a packet of their lion's mane coffee. It was delicious and a perfect breakfast. So many protein powders taste chalky or have that weird artificial sweetener taste, and theirs is made with no gums or fillers or artificial sweeteners, just natural vanilla, and it's delicious. They also now have a peanut butter flavor if you are a peanut butter fan like I am. If you are new to functional mushrooms, I also highly recommend checking out their reishi packets at night for better sleep. Check out those and all Four Sigmatic products by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellness mama and using the code wellness mama, all lowercase, all one word, to save 10%. Again, that's F O U R S I G M A T I C dot com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama to save 10%. And this episode is sponsored by Juve Light Therapy Red Lights. I have one of these in my bedroom and I make it a regular part of my routine for several reasons. Emerging research shows that light dramatically impacts our bodies and red light serves some especially important purposes in various ways. You've likely heard me talk about mitigating blue light exposure, especially from artificial sources and especially at times that it would not occur naturally outside like in the evening or at night, because typically we're only encountering that type of blue light outside midday and from overhead. There's even research showing that the angle of lights like blue lights are very important. But red light is the other part of this important equation. Because light signals a hormone cascade in our body that affects sleep, stress, and more, we can use these types of light to our advantage. Red light and certain wavelengths signals the body to rest and to turn on its natural healing processes, making it beneficial for sleep, for skin health, and for much more. I've personally been using red light therapy for years and lately have noticed that it's been especially helpful in improving my loose skin after an almost 100 pound weight loss. Um, And I have had between six babies and weight loss quite a bit of loose skin and red light really seems to be helping. You can learn more about all of the benefits of red light therapy by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama. And you can also lock in an exclusive discount for listeners of this podcast at com forward slash wellness mama. And I do want to circle back to the legality as well, because as you've touched on, these various substances are in various stages of legality. I think it seems like we're going to see much more widespread acceptance of these things and more availability of them, I would guess, in the next decade, certainly. But um, just kind of touch on, certainly because we're not advising anyone to do anything illegal in this podcast. So just kind of touch on where these are in legal. Sure, sure, sure. Um, um, As you know, the big news um, last December um, uh, was... uh, uh, there are certain cities uh, with uh, what's called a decriminalized nature. Uh, they put it to, to vote. And 
you know, as essentially making psilocybin um, mushrooms uh, legal and, you know, uh, uh, cannabis plants legal, etc. It's, uh, you know, you basically you can criminalize plants or fungi. Now, how can you, right? Um, and I think um, BC is one of them. I, I think uh, Portland uh, is the other. Uh, there is uh, uh, Oakland uh, and there is Santa Cruz. California and there's Denver, Colorado, that all have all approved that. And this is just like the marijuana before, you know, just a few, and then it goes bigger. Um, so um, uh, in, in those cities, although it's been it's been approved, there's still the regulations still have to follow, right? Um, they, they still have to follow um, in in that regard. Now the uh, uh, for for MDMA, you know, it's definitely uh, uh, restricted substance, and we you have to go to a licensed therapist and able to be able to access it. But uh, uh, n right now, um, I don't know what the arrangements are, uh, you know, with MAPS uh, as regards that. But they do have uh, licensed therapists um, who can uh, help you with this and, uh, and enroll you, probably enroll you in their uh, research program, right? Uh, to do this uh, for psilocybin, uh, it's a different story, right? It is legal to buy spores, right? You can grow your own. Uh, uh, it's illegal to buy the mushroom. Right? So um, you could see out there that, you know, you could buy the spores at Amazon and so on. Um, uh, it's they're, they're, it's an art to grow them. They're very fastidious, right? They like, they like sterile uh, environments. They have particular pictures by which they grow. You know, can you tell? Um, I, I, how do I know these things? But um, they, they, um, uh, but uh, but uh, Ill illegal to purchase them as uh, a finished product, right? So, um, but the spores themselves are are not uh, illegal to purchase. Um, if you, uh, uh, for example, DMT is a Schedule One, right? Uh, and we produce it in our bodies, but you know, so all of us should be. Um, Hold the jail, right? I'm just schedule one. Um, but if you want to 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 go, um, there are international um, uh, areas like Costa Rica, you know, Peru. Uh, um, definitely, that uh, you you can where you can uh, actually um, uh, do uh, ayahuasca journeys. Uh, 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 parts of uh, you know Brazil uh, where uh, where this uh, where there are shamanic um, uh, traditions, right? Uh, in there so uh, if you want the since, since this is there's also uh katie uh the difference between traditional you know the the traditional uh, shamanic experience and you know uh versus you know you're you're going to to uh do the the psilocybin experience um so the shamanic experiences you know you there are now uh you know, places around the world where you can do that. In Europe, there are places where you could actually do psilocybin therapy uh, if you want to, right? Uh, if you want to do so. For here, uh, it's much of an underground, uh, you know, for, for, but there are therapists, uh, you know, they are ex licensed ex therapists, but they won't admit to giving psilocybin, right? Um, uh, and so on. And if you could, you see the podcasts out there and you, uh, you read about reports, et cetera, they don't disclose who the therapist is, but, um, these therapists are actually, uh, doing this kind of work and they're getting really fantastic results, right? Um, this, of course, is a huge research of Roland Griffiths at, uh, um, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore on psilocybin, 
right? So um, as I said, MDMA is on schedule is 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 on a uh, uh, phase three, and after that, you know, um, if we're lucky enough, uh, it could be could be a drug um, that can be used and they can be therefore ac accessible with a uh, properly trained therapist, right? Uh, but for now, uh, essentially, uh, the if you are really strong-headed and you want to do this, um, what I say is find uh, find a good, experienced person to actually guide you through the process. Right? Uh, it is illegal um, for much of the stuff that we're talking about. It is. It is illegal, but not unhealthy, is what I, I say. Uh, it is illegal, but not unhealthy. Uh, it is uh, less dangerous than uh, driving on alcohol. Uh, driving, less dangerous than drunk driving uh, or smoking, for that matter. Um, uh, as I said, you know, the, the deaths are actually from, from uh, not from the molecule itself, but from other circumstances. Um, and uh, just just be careful uh, of uh, your mental state, right? If you have schizophrenic tendencies or or bipolar disorder or any of such uh, any such disorders, um, um, then uh, you know you have to be a little bit more careful. Uh, you know, there's better responses to depression at this time, uh, but we don't know. Um, if you're looking for uh, stuff like for drug addiction, there are actually clinics um clinics out in mexico that do um that do uh ibogaine therapy they are actually um, medical make sure that they're medical facilities because uh they actually have an uh emergency uh, physician or an anesthesiologist on staff right um that can uh handle uh any respiratory emergency or anything that happens to you um the one thing about uh these things is as i said they have a very uh, very uh, high margin of uh, safety is that they don't actually depress your uh, breathing uh, or your heart rate, which is really a, a good news, right? Even for ketamine, the reason why it is such a successful anesthetic is that it doesn't depress your respiration. You know, if you took morphine, for example, it will depress your respiration. You know, you, you can have respiratory arrest from something like morphine, which is an opiate. Um, but for, for ketamine, you know, it is, that's uh, one of the things. That's why I said these things, these things are safe. Um, uh, but as I said, you, it, it, the nice thing about it is that I think because of the psychedelic renaissance, Katie, that people are paying less attention to this as being illegal um, um i think i think the attitude that's developing is that for personal you know for personal use if you're doing this for personal work and personal use i think that's where we're evolving it's going to be okay the way i think we're following the way uh, i mean cannabis uh you know it had a very very long and protracted uh history but we're learning from it right and so now, you know, we're given allowances for personal use and so on. I think this is where this is heading. Um, but if, you know, if you really want to be totally legal about it, there are places around the world where these things are legal and you could just fly out there. Um, and but so make sure you get into a reputable um, uh, outfit with high integrity and you could have these experiences there. And make sure that you are monitored while you're, you're uh you're uh, under your journey 
right? You know, on the full on full on dose. Absolutely. I echo that. That's like I mentioned, my experiences were largely in places where they were legal and I don't recommend anyone do anything illegal. I know you don't either. I'm hopeful like you are that we'll continue to see research and more access to these in safe ways with a therapist who can help the integration process and that hopefully this can help a lot of people. I've been taking a lot of notes every time you've been talking. I feel like I just got a college course in the science of a lot of these and I would love to link to some kind of places for further learning for anybody who this might be a new concept to? Do you have any books or sources, uh, websites that you would point people to? Actually, the uh, for the studies, the MAPS website is actually very rich in uh, a lot of this information, right? Uh, all the studies that are going on, uh, what's in what particular phase, what has been studied, what hasn't. Um, I'd like to uh, point people on, on consciousness on the work of... Um, Robin Carhart Harris, right? Uh, and uh, he has been the one instrumental in doing uh, fMRIs on, you know, a psilocybin um, and a brain and psilocybin and not. And he's been publishing different models on consciousness, on energy distribution and brain and consciousness, etc. In other words, what I'm trying to say here, uh, Katie, is that this has moved into a scientific realm of in inquiry. And people should not be afraid anymore, right? Uh, because of this stuff, uh, they shouldn't have been afraid in the first place. Uh, were the were the propaganda materials not not the way they were, right? But now we are uh, forging uh, forging ahead uh, with uh, these uh, particular tools. Uh, there is uh, the um, there is a. You know, in, in the meditation space, you know, there's a lot of apps out there. Uh, I like, in particular, the work of uh, Sam Harris in uh, his Waking Up app, um, you know, uh, because he he uh, is uh, very gentle with the way uh, he's, he's the author of uh, uh, Waking Up, um, something of, uh, you know, spirituality without religion, right? Um, and, and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's from from the apps out there in terms of uh, meditation and 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 using it in addiction and uh, and uh, eating disorders and and so on. You know, the work of Judson Brewer uh, is actually great. Um, you know, he has apps as well, uh, and he has a a good uh, you know. Um, I think it's a paid app on anxiety, uh, but I, I like his work. Uh, so, so um, all, all of this, uh, there's a space of meditation and the space of psychedelics essentially is a very, very fast moving, right? Uh, if you want to take a look at um, classic books on, on, uh, uh, on, on this, you should, uh, you know, check out the work of uh, James Fadiman, right? Uh, it's like, a, what is it? <laughs> it's, I, I'm blocking out the... The, the, the title it, it's kind of like a, a hitchhiker to the galaxy um, this is like you know a hitchhiker's guide to psychedelics something like that um he has a new book now you know on on uh, us having many selves uh, and you know that's this is sort of like the um uh, the main people to 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 for me the main people that i observe and what they're doing right uh is uh, are these people james Fadiman, um, uh, Carhart Harris. Carhart Harris, of course, is supported by Amanda Fielding, right? And they're in, a, um, uh, in London. 
uh, and then uh, of course uh, you know um, there's a very good um, podcasts from Dennis McKenna the brother of Terence you know on um, on all of these so so uh, it, to be for me to be safe in these areas is for me to follow uh, because the, your 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 information is only as strong as the authorities that you respect, right? If you don't give someone authority over the information, then you won't believe the person. So, you know, follow like um, um, you know Rick Dublin and and what he says and what they're doing at Maps and and so on and what the studies are there. So I follow their work and and follow what's being done. Uh, I follow also. Um, uh, there's Rick Dublin and then there's uh, Roland Griffiths out of. Uh, um, Johns Hopkins is big on this on psilocybin research, and then um, there's uh, uh, Dennis McKenna in the Hefter Foundation is big on LSD research, right? And then, um, and, and then uh, you have uh, uh, you know in in the meditation space you have a lot of apps. There's many many beautiful uh, people in the meditation space. I mean Shinzen Yang, um, you know, so on. But I, I'm really you don't have time for all of them. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, you know, the, I, I, I recommend, I use it myself. I recommend uh, Sam Harris's Waking Up uh, app. And for, uh, for those with addictions or having to, to fight with something uh, like uh, uh, changing particular pieces of behavior, uh, you probably would like to try uh, Judson Brewer's uh, apps. Um, and he's an addiction expert. He's also a psychiatrist, and he's pretty cool. He's also a meditator, um, uh, and uh, has a has a big Buddhist background, you know, behind him. I usually just uh, try to remove Buddhism uh, out of the whole thing and just present the things um, scientifically and neuroscientifically, so that it's easier to relate, right? For those who have um, very hard cherished notions of. Um, um, whether or not there is a god or gods and, and so on, so to remove all of that in the equation, right? And and just say, okay, here's what we we need to work on and and focus on, and uh, just so uh, Kathy to put everything into perspective here, um, there's a study that was done on how East the East and West uh, perceive things, right? This will show in the psychedelic studies, this will show this will show in, in uh, things that we do even in regular life. When they ask uh, uh, American kids, you know, what they saw in a particular image, they, they said, oh, I saw uh, three, three fish uh, with stripes and uh, big ones in front. And there were two, uh, two other fish in the back. That's the Western way of looking at it. It's a foreground. The Japanese uh, kids, what did they say? I see an aquarium with water, right? It has pebbles at the bottom. It has, you know, uh, this plant on the on the left side, and there are fish in it. You know, there's three in front and back. So someone starts, you know, in in, in, in Eastern thought, in Eastern philosophy, you see immediately that they start with the context first, right? Where is this happening from? Instead of the foreground. In other words, you know, they don't focus on the foreground. They look at the background first by which the things are happening. And you could see this, you know, with uh, their approach to Eastern philosophy, uh, uh, with their approach to life, right? They're very group oriented, right? It's a context of, 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 of a group. Um, one of the things that you 
you know when you're when you travel a lot you notice uh is that in asia you know there are restaurants are all, always built for large groups right here in the united states it's built for people you see you see you know uh restaurants are actually built for you know um uh for for two people or just uh, a nuclear family and you know none of the big chinese round tables that can accommodate 32 people right uh and then fill it up so that's that's the sort of like the point of view that i like to uh to emphasize to people when they're looking at psychedelics and they're looking at you know um uh all these other forms of 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 uh, uh, therapy that they might want to use or a consciousness expansion is that there's a difference with the way we look at things, right? Uh, when we look at it from a scientific point of view, then you look at it as a fish. This is what it does. This is what it does in the receptor. This is what, you know, these are the effects. But uh, when you add the spirituality to it, like this is the context by which I am feeling that this is one of the top, um, one of the top five um, ex um best experiences of my life and then you're seeing the actual aquarium right when when you do that and i'd like people to be able to do that despite where you're coming from from the foreground or the background to see the big picture every time you know when you're looking at these things i think that's a perfect place to wrap up i appreciate you sharing so much of your time i will probably split this into two episodes so that people can digest it a little at a time but uh, i am so appreciative of the work that you're doing and the extremely patient explanations you gave today it's always a joy to talk to you and this was incredible so thank you dr ted thank you for having me katie and as always thanks to all of you for listening for sharing your most valuable assets your time and your energy with us today we're so grateful that you did and I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.